Hello everybody, my name is Alex Marks and this is Young History, episode 54 on Gabon. The capital of this country is Libreville and it is officially called the Gabonese Republic, um, as its real name. didn't actually know this until I looked it up right before the episode because I was just typing in different things to get into my last little bit of research and it came up that that's the official name and I didn't think that it was. Another thing about this country, it is one of the 14 countries in the world that is directly dissected by the equator. And the name Gabon actually comes from the Portuguese, who used the word Gabal to refer to a cloak. And they called the area this because it was a place that had a lot of rivers that kind of looked like a moving cloak if you looked at them as you were sailing by or on them. So they said Gabal a lot, and that eventually stuck as a name as Gabon for the country. Libreville is named for its origins as a free slave town, and we'll get to more on that later as I have a whole little section on Libreville. And this country also has the highest concentrations of wild gorillas out of any country in the world. It's heavily forested at 85%, and that means it is the second in Africa, only to Seychelles, which has over 90%. And over 60% of the population is under 25 years old. So there's a lot of different facts about this country that are crazy, and even more interesting is its history itself. So I'm not going to dilly-dally for too much longer, and I just want to say thank you all so much for being here, and one more time, my name is Alex Marks, this is Young History, and this is Gabon. Thank you for being here. Let's do this thing. Our origins begin with the Pygmy people, who are much more small than the average person is today. They also had very small heads. And around 1000 BC is when the Bantu speakers, who are a much taller and more warrior-like tribe, started to come into the land of where the pygmy were and start to force them out, either by directly killing them or by forcing them to migrate off the land to survive. These Bantu speakers moved through Gabon and also went down southeast across the continent of mainland Africa. And the Bantu speakers eventually became the Fang, Kota, and Kweli tribes, which are some of the most populous tribes in the country of Gabon today. And they were all patriarchal, spiritual societies. Around 1472 is when the Portuguese would arrive and mark the first arrival of Europe in Gabon. They started a trade with the people of Gabon for ivory and other valuable resources. Trade that went beyond just the Portuguese would start to happen between Gabon and all the other major European powers like the Dutch, British, French, and Spain around the early 1500s. And it would be after this that slavery began to grow, starting in the 1760s and pretty much peaking between there and the 1840s is when slavery became its most popular. The demand for slaves was really high because Brazil and Cuba were now colonized by this point and both needed a lot of slaves to work on the plantations and other areas that were being used by the Europeans to make a lot of money off of the land they had conquered. And many of the captured people were sent into coastal areas where they could be more easily captured because a lot of the people who were in control or higher in society of Gabon would actually send these people here because they considered them undesirable or because there was familial issues or ethnic issues, things of that sort. But the only people who refused to do this were actually the Fong people who were moving down from Cameroon south. They're moving south from Cameroon. And they refused to capture any slaves for any amount of money. And they also refused to sell any of their own people into slavery. 
Also in the 1700s was the Kingdom of Orungu, which started in the early half of the 1700s and ruled the area for around 200 years, excluding the area of modern-day Equatorial Guinea, which is why Equatorial Guinea is carved out differently than Gabon, even though they border each other, and Equatorial Guinea is so small. They grew really rich off of slavery and other resources, like ivory and other harvested-slash-hunted materials they were finding in the country. And the kingdom began to falter as slavery declined, which was towards the end of the 1700s and the first half of the 1800s, and this led to French colonialists making their move into the land. Part of the ability for the French to move in so easily was because of the fact that they were going to fight against slavery and could use this as a kind of navigation piece and um, like a negotiating part when it came to talking with the leaders of African tribes. This happened in 1839 and in 1841 when Edouard Boet-Wilhelm negotiated with King Dennis in the south and King Louis in the north within Gabon about ending slave trade, but the cost of ending slave trade would be the acceptance of French sovereignty over Gabon. French explorers actually made a city in Gabon called Franceville in 1880, and it still remains there to this day, and it is one of the four most populated cities in the country too. French full takeover of the country happened in 1885 when the claim was made official, and it became the country of Gabon became part of French Equatorial Africa, which is different than another African empire, another empire in Africa that had taken over Western nations and societies, even the ones that bordered Cameroon and Chad, which were a part of. Once this happened, a lot of uproar came from the people because no one was really happy about this at all because it was kind of the end of there being that pride of being your own country and being independent and free. Libreville, which is the current capital of the country, was started by 52 freed slaves in 1856 because those slaves were abandoned in the northwestern part of the country, which is where Libreville is, and they were left for dead there by their French captors because they were either unable-bodied women or they were just not fetching a good price on the market. So the French kind of just abandoned them and didn't want to, in their eyes, waste food on them or anything of the sort. And they actually started collecting materials and formed a small town that drew in freed slaves from all over different areas of Gabon and border countries like Cameroon and Equatorial Guinea. Eventually, this town gained the name of Freetown or Libreville. Early seeds of independence were planted after the Second World War when a political group came into power and popularity in Gabon that was pro-France but anti-colonialism, so they began to negotiate and work towards policies that ended French rule as a colonial power but still kept France as an ally and influence over the country. First, Gabon became an overseas territory in the 1950s, then an autonomous republic within the French community in 1958, and by 1960 it achieved full independence. The first president was Omar Bongo, who ruled from 1967 until his death in 2005, making him one of the longest rulers in African history. He would allow the French oil brand Elf to harvest and sell Gabon's oil so that he could have his reign protected by the French. That meant for a long time that if there was protesters, the French would deal with them. If there was anything in the elections that did not favor this Omar Bongo, the French would also handle it either discreetly or not so discreetly. And that would go on for quite a while. That's why he was able to stay in power for so long, because it was a corrupt system. Now, the money that came in did help infrastructure, but most of it ended up going to his supercar collection and the mansions that he bought. And the biggest thing he did was actually kind of revamp and build the presidential palace, which is under scrutiny even to this day for the fact that it costs so much of the country's money to build. And his 
connection with the French could be emphasized by a famous quote he has that goes, Africa without France is like a car without a driver, but France without Africa is like a car with no petrol. And that kind of shows that Gabon's resources, as well as other African countries' resources, really do fuel a lot of the European economy. And in the eyes of some Africans and some African leaders, a lot of the things that have gotten Africa to its modern point would not be present without Europe. So kind of like a you hold my hand, I hold yours thing between the two is what he's trying to emphasize here. So once Omar Bongo died, his son Ali Bongo Ondimba took over in 2005. He uh, faced many challenges as he came to power because no longer was it so easy for the French to influence the elections or or dissuade protesters as now more and more international eyes were beginning to view Gabon. But Ali Bongo did face a coup in 2019. Despite that, he is still in power today. Some things that started to happen in the country also in the 2000s was that protected areas started to be established. In 2003, the government decided to make about 10% of the country a protected national park. Now, this wasn't one giant national park. It's a bunch of different ones that are spread throughout all of Gabon's geography. And one of them is Luongo National Park, which is considered the last Eden of Africa. This is because many inland species like hippos and elephants can be seen here playing in the beaches and walking out to the open water that connects directly to the Atlantic. And this is super rare because most of these areas have ships passing through or hunters or things of that sort, but this area is protected and is a place where you could pretty much see surfing hippos. Some cultural facts about the country is that there really is no major tension between any of the ethnic groups, at least not anymore. Tribes merge and cross cultural lines very commonly, and the Fang people are the majority in the country. They created Fang masks for celebration, funerals, and ceremonies, and they're one of the most highly prized masks and kind of African pieces and heirlooms or art pieces. They're some of the most highly valued across the whole continent. Other ethnic groups in the country have other things. The Mieni people are masters of rumba music, which uses bongos and other things that are very drum-like. The Mitsogo do this thing called a bweti ritual, which uses a hallucinogenic root so that people can communicate with their ancestors and connect more deeply to their culture and their roots through their ancestors. There is a marital practice that is present within the, the whole country that states if parents are to divorce, any children that were conceived and born before the marriage belong to the mother, and any that came after the marriage belong to the father. Women here actually average having four children, and that pretty much gets us to the present day, where the country is currently ranked as highly developed on the Human Development Index, but its population is very skewed as the wealth distribution here has left a lot of the population in poverty and has caused a lot of issues economically and sociologically. And there, and part of this high, highly developed mark on the HGI index is from the fact that the economy is booming because of the civil engineering. The biggest amount of this is coming from the Trans-Gabon Railway, which seeks to connect Libreville to Franceville, and then from there expand out into other African countries so that trade and the movement of resources and people can become a lot easier. It is a very huge investment and special project. And there was also a long period post-independence where the power of the country was centralized in one leader. But as of now in 2023, after many protests and interference from international viewers and powers and negotiations with the French, there is a multi-party system in place. The legitimacy of it is still up for question as the Bongo family still holds a lot of the power in the country and there isn't much people seem to feel like they can do about it. But nonetheless, there is still progress being made and there is still a fight from the people to have a full democracy and be able to work towards having control of their own country. 
And with that, we pretty much get to the end where I kind of like to leave it with a mindset or a takeaway. And with this country of Gabon, it is use the strengths and benefits of your allies and friends to your advantage, but do not become a servant to them. For a long time, Gabon was a colony of the French, but from this, they did get many benefits. Despite the horrors of slavery and abuses and murders that did come, the modern day of Gabon would not be where it is without the French. Many of the Gabonese would agree with this, and many Gabonese political leaders would agree with this. But that comes with a grain of salt, as after independence, they did want to be independent from France and not be a servant or slave to them, but did want to be connected with them so that they could still get the benefit of the French economy and French culture and French language, things of that sort. So I connect that to you and a lesson you could take away as you're going to have friends that are going to be really good in certain areas. Maybe they're better at you academically and help you with your classes. Maybe they're better financially, help you balance your finances. They're better at fitness and they're able to bring you to the gym and get you on a good system. Definitely take those friends, hold them close, and if they are good people outside of that, make them close friends, and maybe they're not friends at all and they're just associates and allies in your life. Take them for their value and provide value back to them, but do not fall into a servitude to them. Do not feel like you have to jump when they say jump and at the snap of their fingers you appear because you are still a person. You still should respect yourself despite what someone has done for you. Always be appreciative and always look to learn more from someone and teach them things and provide value to their life. If this is a business way or a coach trainer way, or if it is a friendship, this same thing applies. Always, always, always try to provide value back to people who are providing value for you, but don't let it get to a point where they do so much for you that you feel like you are indebted to them, enslaved to them, that you are cut out enslaved, that you are indebted to them, owe them your time and your servitude, don't do any of that because it is a powerful tactic to get people to do what you want and work with you is by doing good things for them. And people know that. So don't take anybody's kindness or lessons or teachings with a grain of salt if you feel like they are helping you. But don't fall too prey to them using that to manipulate you. And if you feel like it's going that way, you have to cut it off. Or if you feel like you are just internally going out of your way to help them when it's inconveniencing you and it's making your life a lot harder then you need to have a talk with them and figure it out. And you need to have a talk with yourself to make sure you're not getting disrespected or taken advantage of. So that is pretty much my takeaway here, as I believe it connects a lot to how Gabon handled France. And I think it can help you handle people in your life that may help you a lot, but may take advantage of you from the fact that you have built a trust with them. So that's pretty much that. Gabon is very interesting. It's a lesser known African country. It's very small, but its history is very big, as you saw. So I just want to say one more time, thank you all so much for being here. And my name is Alex Marks. This is Young History. And that was Gabon. You guys have a good one.